the bigger schools, you, you have multiple sport responsibilities. So you're pretty much in season, you know, um, a lot of the year you're traveling, you're doing things. Um, and so on top of the fact that I didn't, you know, have enough time to work out myself or run my business or things like that. Um, I definitely, and I think this is no secret, was not getting compensated. Like this was, you know, the only thing that I was supposed to be doing, right? And I think that's a very common, um, you know, opinion of, of coaches in collegiate strength and conditioning is, is the work in versus the um, money out. And I don't think any of us do the job for the money necessarily, um, but especially, you know, it's not cheap to live in a college town. Um, and when you're kind of unable to, to take care of yourself and do things that you want to do, uh, you kind of start to, to reevaluate what, what you want to do. So, yeah. And I mean, Brett Bartholomew has been the one to say that before, like how often people will be like, Oh, well, if you're really in this just for, you know, not the money, you do this for me for free. And it's like, nobody says that when you go to a restaurant, nobody says that when you go to other professions, why do people feel that about strength and conditioning coaches? Well, and straight up, I mean, we all did it for free for long enough anyways. We actually have That's... done it for free, right? So it's like, I'm, you know, That's paying for my life point. now yeah. and all the life that I had to live while I was working for people for free. So, um, yeah, I think there's kind of a miss, there's, um, the expectations don't, don't meet the reality in terms of that. So um, I definitely was like, hey, like, I actually want to make some money. Like, I'm passionate about what I do. I'm a professional in this field. Um, and I'm going to earn a few dollars uh, for the next couple of years. And then we'll see where I end up, you know. What sports did you have when you were either at, you know, any of the Big Ten schools that you had? Were you a niched, you know, whatever? Or what was what were the sports that you worked with? Um, so at Penn State, I worked with women's lacrosse, which um, is the sport that I played, the sport I um, coached high school women's lacrosse for like nine seasons prior to that. Oh, okay. um, so really big into lacrosse. That was a really great experience for me. Um, but also at Penn State, I had women's gymnastics, which was my first uh, gymnastics experience. Um, and I found that to be something that I really enjoyed. Um, I really loved the sport. And then I had men's golf as well, um, which I really liked. I liked the athletes. Um, they were a cool group of guys and, and we got along really well and they did some really quality work. Um, so in terms of, you know, being like having a niche and, you know, sticking to that one sport, one of my favorite things about the profession is just kind of the puzzle that you get when you get to mm -hmm. every new sport, right? New group of kids, new demands, new, um, you know, list of injuries, new, um, you know, new way to attack um, the sport in the season. So for me, I loved working with lacrosse because it was kind of like a full circle moment of, hey, I do this, I know this, um, but I love all sports though. What position did you play? Um, defense primarily, and then some midfield, so. Did you find, like, so I asked, cause I played football and like, you know, wor I worked in football and that was kind of, you know, my niche, whatever. Yeah. Um, but back when I played, you know, I, I was I was that guy that kind of was friends with everybody, but I still had that like, oh, you know, don't touch my quarterback. So like, I didn't only relate with the skill guys, but I, or with the linemen, I could like relate with the skill guys. Did that happen? You know, working in the other sports, like, oh, you know, you're an offensive player. Like, I don't like you very much. You know, when you're not that you don't like them, you know what I'm trying to say. No, I definitely know. I think um, I think sometimes the one thing that I found is that especially working with women's sports lately, the 
quick break from the show to remind you to hit that like and subscribe button. It helps us out and it helps you be notified when we have new content get released. So again, please hit that like and subscribe button if you enjoy this content. And with that, let's get back to the show. Competitive edge that I felt when I was an athlete and I was practicing is not as intense, right? Um, Like I felt like we were just like too maybe nice to each other at practice these days, right? And I couldn't oh. relate because, like, I lived with my teammates, but, like, when we went to practice, it was like, <laughs> fuck, fuck you, you. <laughs> and um, like, I'm going to score on you all day. Like, you know, so, so I, like, couldn't relate a little bit. I'm like, where is that fire? Like, I know these are your friends, but, like, you should want to dunk on them in the middle of practice. Like, that's what it's all about. Um, so I definitely felt that, uh, that, you know, some teams are more competitive than others, right? And then, you know, surprisingly, you had, like, gymnastics at Penn State, and some of them, when they would just, like, get into, like, they were locked in all the time, ready to attack. So it's cool. It's different watching those different dynamics. What would be your piece of advice for any of the strength coaches that are still in it now that you're out? Because, you know, having gymnastics right around Christmas time, that ain't easy. And then, you know, lacrosse is coming back, like – What's your piece of advice to those coaches on how to be able to survive that winter period of time? Because that doesn't get talked about a lot for Olympic coaches. Yeah, no, I think um, for me, it was it was really hard and it was really stark. That was like one of the big things that I noticed. And, you know, I traveled a few times with gymnastics, but I wasn't even full travel. Um, But, you know, in the fall, you have your off season lacrosse stuff. So you're traveling for fall ball. You have games at home like you don't have those weekends. Then you get into the holidays. You have, you know, the gymnastics, things like that. Um, even if you're not traveling, you, you have to be back cause you have to train them, right? You know, okay. you don't, you don't get your break and then you go right into lacrosse season. It's right there. So I definitely found myself, um, in the middle of that. And I was lucky I had, um, the gymnastics coach at Penn state was fantastic. And, and she was really, um, flexible with me in terms of wanting me to be able to spend time with my family over the holidays. But you know, that's not always the case. So, um, I mean, my advice would be to set, boundaries and and stick to them because i will say that any inch that you you give some people in this industry they will take 750 miles um you know so if you're kind of ambiguous you're like well i guess i could come back on like the 26th the 27th like be like i'm not coming back till new year's i'll write you something you could do it in the gym you could do it outside you could do it in the pool like i you know i mean but there there has to be some uh you, you have to stand up for the fact that like you want to live your life as a person. There cannot be this, we can, as a profession cannot meet the expectation that we are just the guys that are always in the gym or else this profession is going to be, hey, they're always in the gym, right? Does that make sense? 100%. And like you said, if you leave it wishy-washy, you'd be like, all right, perfect, 9 o'clock on the 26th, we'll have the whole team in for an optional lift. You're there and not a fucking soul is there. Exactly, yeah. Um, how does that get better then? for people in the director roles? Like, what do they need to do? How do they make it better for everybody else below? And again, I'm asking you just because you're out of it too, and I want to see how you see that lens. Um, yeah, I think, and I, I don't have... Taking a quick break from the show to talk to you guys about our sponsor, Team Builder. If you have any online training platform needs, Team Builder is the go-to place. Team Builder has the ability to integrate with velocity-based training tools, They have the ability to program and have notes and videos for all of your athletes and your clients. This is your number one stop shop. Been using it since 2019 when I was working at Towson. So I've used it, love it. Make sure you check it out. 
go ahead, click the link down in the description. And with that, let's get back to the show. Enough good things to say about my department at Penn State because I really enjoyed my director and I felt really supported and I, I loved it, right? Um, so this is not a reflection of anything, anything there, but I think that, you know, the messaging that's coming from the top down to the strength coaches. So like, Hey, like we want you to have work-life balance. We want you to have a life. We want you, you know, there's two sides of that coin and that needs to be echoed from the directors, from the administration to the sport coaches as well. Right. Mm -hmm. If that's going to be a priority, everybody needs to articulate that it's a priority. So, um, you know, it can't just be like us sitting in a department being like, yeah, we have great work-life balance, like sick. <laughs> and then our sport coaches being like, what the fuck are you talking? Like, you need to be here. Um, you know, there needs to be kind of that back channel. Um, hey, like maybe the strength coaches don't need to be here on Christmas Eve. You know, things that, these wild ideas, right? Um, but just like ways that we can you know, in little ways, like save ourselves for the long term, because I think people find that it's not sustainable, right? I think one of the things any of our listeners right now should remember is hearing you talk about that made me think about, you know, anybody that I was working with at Towson where, yeah, I had football, but I only had the throwers in addition. But somebody mm -hmm. like, you know, you that had multiple Olympic teams or, you know, some of my colleagues where it's like, okay, it, if you had gymnastics and swim and dive, you know, one of my assistants had or had softball, cross country and tennis. Well, you know, if you're working with me with football and then, okay, softball is off on Monday, but they're in on the weekends and football is off on the week. Like that sport coach is only like, well, we're off on Monday. Like you can, it's like, no, like I still have to be in the weight room, like Correct. covering things. And like, if you let me get away, I'm actually going to do better for you. Yeah. And I think that was kind of some of the problem that I had. And again, not with everybody. Like I've had great sport coaches and I've had sport coaches that have been difficult. It has been difficult to get them to understand like my day to day. Right. So exactly what you said, like, oh, you know, you have like we have Monday off. I'm like, well, I'm here Monday at 515 a.m. Um, so that doesn't sound like I have Monday off, you know, and just kind of reminding them like you are a third of what I do. And you see me 40 hours a week. So imagine what my week actually looks like, you know? No, 100%. Um, you know, transitioning a little bit out of, you know, just in the weeds with it as this whole word high performance continues to evolve. What did that look like to you? And, and how do you see the field evolving with, you know, these newer roles where it's ATC, strength and conditioning coaches, now mental performance coaches, all of them coming together. Is this getting better or worse for sport coaches where are they eventually going to push back and be like, I have no more control over my team? 